The Razor Show is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. Get tickets for the upcoming game against the Bengals. See if the Patriots can bounce back on a game on the road after being down for the last two weeks. Probably don't got to cheat to get in there, but you never know. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Welcome to The Razor Show with the Athletics' Nick Underhill and Jeff Howe, plus three-time Super Bowl champion Matt Chatham. What's up, everybody? Razor Show, midweek edition. Jeff and Nick coming at you in the middle of yet another boring week down in Foxborough. But first, I think Nick's been in a kind of a bad mood this week, and I'm pretty sure I can tell why. He's getting fully immersed into the New England weather experience, and he was so, so happy early in the week. Now, for those who you know need a refresher, Nick has rejoined us from a few years down in New Orleans, so he's kind of gotten spoiled with the nice warm weather the 12 months out of the year. So... He's so happy. He's he's texting me that he's basically going down to the beach because it was 60 for a couple days early in the week. And now it's now the snow's back on the ground. So before we kind of get into it, I think Nick needs to Nick probably needs to vent a little bit just so we can get him in a clear headspace for the rest of the show. I just don't I don't know how anybody can be prepared to go to sleep at 60. It's a nice day. And then you wake up in the morning and there's like, I don't know, four inches of snow on the ground. It just, it just doesn't make logical sense. I, I don't really know why we're doing this. Like this is a choice to live like this. And I, it, I don't know. I, I, I just don't know like how life can work like that. I don't know how it can be like very nice one day. And then you're out there shoveling your car off the next. It's just, it's absurd, man. Like I, I I'm just not, I'm not happy with it. It's tough. So that's what, that's what grinds my gears. It does. I can tell your gears have been grinded, as have Bill Belichick's, because his week started off uh, in very interesting, explosive fashion. And this show, we don't have enough time to cover all of the topics to the, the amount of detail that we possibly could, uh, just just focusing on this week alone. And But when everything broke on Monday... My first thought was, oh my goodness, Bill Belichick is going to have the Patriots put out a 50-point hit on the Bengals. And then it started into, wow, this was actually some internal uh, stupidity, really, in the sense that there was a lack of communication and some rules were broken unknowingly or lazily or whatever by the Patriots' in-house video producer, who directed, you know, a shot of B-roll on the Bengals sideline when they were covering the do your job feature and all you, know, you guys know the story. And uh, now the Patriots are just sitting around waiting for the league to make its make up its mind as to what type of discipline there will be. I think Nick and I are both on the same page as to what that will be. But I mean, this is <laughs> you're kind of looking at this going into last weekend and saying, "Oh wow, that's kind of funny." The Patriots are playing the Chiefs and then Cincinnati just back like back in 2014, and it turns into a loss against the Chiefs and then a chance for Belichick to really refocus his team for entirely different circumstances and say that they're on to Cincinnati and, and kind of focusing on, I guess, just football. But 
I mean, I, I don't even, my head is spinning in so many different ways. I don't even know where we should take the, the early direction of this show, Nick. What do you got? Yeah, my first reaction was to pick up my phone and text my wife and text uh, my Jeff, I guess, capital <laughs> F, seven capital U's, a C, and a K. Because, like, I thought life was ruined, like, right there. As soon as I seen that that Zach uh, Taylor press conference with the question, just like, wait, what is going on? And it's like, oh, my God, like, Christmas is over, guys. Like, this is, <laughs> like, it's scandal time. But, you know, very quickly, the fire got put out. And That's actually what Nick said. He said he was getting robbed of Christmas. i mean didn't you think so like this this was like not the thing you want to see like there's three games left one against the bills or you know one against the bills a couple trash games like you just want to see them get through it get into the playoffs and like just have a peaceful christmas and let things ramp up for the playoffs and it was just like this is gonna hang over everything and just every aspect of life and it's just like it's unbelievable look i mean i think we all know that this is a stupid thing and you know, based on your reporting, it doesn't sound like this big, scandalous, nefarious, you know, sinister plot or anything like that. You know, it, all that stuff's fun to think about. It's fun to think about the Patriots running like a CIA operation with Ernie Adams and a gang of spies out there doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And look, I I think Ernie's way too smart to set up a camera in front of a bunch of, uh, you know, scouts in the middle of the press box and, and record a sideline. So, you know, first of all, it's just it's stupid. Um you know, I know everybody wants to say, oh, it's the Bengals. They got one win. Well, you know, oh, seven, the four win Jets. So, I mean, I'm not sure that's that's even the thing. But like just the way it was done was just was just seems idiotic. But, you know, it's the Patriots. And if this was any other team, guaranteed it would just be someone be like, hey, look, we had these, you know, kids out there taping this thing. They didn't know whatever. And then everybody would turn away and, you know, the local guys would write a notebook item. And that's the end of the story. But it is the Patriots and they do have a history with videotaping and, you know, I, I think the the biggest thing here is just them having to know who they are. Um, you know, I think Dan Lebatard said it best. It's not about the crime. It's about the criminal. And, you know, in this case, the Patriots have a history of doing things. You know, Jim Trestle can't go sit in a tattoo shop with with a kid. Like there's just things certain people can't do once once they've, you know, had their, their reputation stained a little bit. And it's the Patriots job, football, not football. Anybody holding a video camera, they got to know the history and know what they can and can't do. Yeah, and that was the breakdown, and you could argue that the breakdown occurred on multiple levels, and there were, uh, I think this week there's been a lot of fear and tension down at Gillette Stadium over the fact that there is uh, expected job loss, whether it's one person or you know levels or layers of people who could lose their job or jobs over this situation, and it's uh you know these aren't this isn't just you know we're not talking about a football player losing his job or a coach you know people who have a, a lot of money who have made a lot of money stuff that uh, most of us cannot relate to you're talking about somebody who uh, more than likely you know went to school for for this profession and then made a mistake and whether they're an entry level position or you know they've been doing this for a handful of years you're talking about somebody's life. Uh, either being ruined or derailed or put on hold or whatever. So, you know, there's some real people stuff going on here. But I think ultimately this whole situation that you're talking about, yeah, when you work for the Patriots, you have to know these situations. You have to know the history. You have to know the rules. That's part of working for a football team or professional sports. And uh, there was a breakdown and somebody failed somebody, whether it was, you know, one person failing themselves or whether that one person wants to look up above them and say, hey, why wasn't I properly trained? Whatever happened, 
uh, there was a, an extremely dumb decision that was made. I kind of get it, you know, if you think, if you put yourself in that producer's shoes, you know, the way it was explained to me was he wanted the camera trained on the sideline because that is part of what the scout looks at when, you know, they're scouting a game, advanced scouting, and, you know, they're they're looking at the opposing team's sideline or the upcoming opponent's sideline, and they're taking notes on that. So the producer wanted the camera trained on the sideline to kind of give the viewer of that eventual Do Your Job episode, which I think we can now assume will never be aired, uh, but wanted the viewer to get like a, a view through the scout's eyes, if you will. And why was it on the sideline for as long as it was? Well, that's a good question. I mean, you can get B-roll in five seconds. And why was it on for at least eight minutes? I mean, that's another situation where you say, well, that was that was a bad decision. Uh, but if the producer didn't think he was doing anything wrong, and I can kind of, again, put myself in that producer's shoes in on game day. So let's say this game was at Gillette Stadium when, when the Kraft Sports Productions wing is allowed... Uh, privileged access behind the Patriots bench to shoot their in-house production videos. Uh, if the game's on CBS, CBS is allowed the same access, or whatever network it is, and then NFL Films. There are three entities on every game, for every game, that is allowed behind the team bench. It's the team's video crew, NFL Films, and then the broadcasting crew. All other cameras that are on the sideline have to film from outside the 30s. They can still film the bench but they have to do it from outside the 30-yard lines. So this producer's like, well, I can be here uh, on game days. Why can't I shoot there? And, and kind of just didn't think anything of it. The problem is you can shoot your own from behind your own team's bench. You can't shoot your the opponent's bench. So again, this is just, you can see, oh, okay, I'm just going to make this decision here and not thinking all the way through. I'm not excusing the actions. It's just I've seen that question come up, so I'm trying to at least help some perspective here. But Ultimately, it was a series of dumb decisions, and now Belichick has to deal with the fallout. And again, I, I think, you know, we Nick and I both did a roundtable thing here that'll be posted on The Athletic about what we expect um, the, the fallout or the discipline from the league to be. We both think it's going to be a fine and nothing more than that. Uh, but again, you, you said it's stupid. Deflategate was the dumbest effing controversy I've ever, ever covered, ever seen, whatever. And we saw that turned into a two-year ordeal. Uh, with Tom Brady's suspension and, and so much more. So while I, I think, and there are some reports from NFL Network that's at the league meetings this week, that it shouldn't be anything more than a fine, you know, we'll we'll, we'll see. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I don't think you can ever, you know, assume the league's going to act intelligently, rationally, anything like that. All, all things are on the table. And it's, I think that's especially true when it is the Patriots because – there's a lot of people out there that, you know, don't like the way they operate. I, I think, you know, that's kind of known. You know, there's some owners who who get upset with them. And I, you, you were closer to it than me. Um, I just, you know, I remember some of the talk back during the flake gate was that, you know, some of the owners wanted them punished more severely because of other transgressions. So you never know who could get in the Goodell's ear and, you know, stir them up into, you know, taking this just a little bit further than it needs to go to set an example. But you know, at least the early signs of it, you know, sound promising as far as, you know, what, what is coming out through the uh, league's media arm about, you know, just probably a fine, probably a quick resolution. And look, I mean, this shouldn't be that hard to figure out. They got the tape. And if it's a tape, I think, where you are trying to steal signals, you're probably zoomed in 
on somebody making signals. I don't think it's probably like a wide angle general shot of the sidelines. I, I think that they could probably look at this thing. You know, uh, our, our our Bengals reporter reported eight minutes of film. You know, I think it shouldn't take more than eight minutes to watch and determine what's going on, whether this is this is some, you know, over eager production guy you know trying to you know take things just a little bit further just to get a little bit better shot and look I can appreciate that mentality you know I've been a young person trying to come up and you know you're trying to to get every little edge you're trying to get that one little thing that differentiates you from the other guy take it one step further be just a tad bit more creative and unfortunately it was incredibly misguided and now that you know kind of sollies this team It, it, it you know People are going to use everything to try to tarnish, you know, Belichick's legacy. And no matter how stupid it is, I mean, it, it sucks that this thing's on him now. And in some regards, it, it is going to stick on him. Like, you know, uh, there were false reports about taping years ago. And people still talk about those things today as if they actually happened. And, you know, everybody that's actually paying attention knows those things aren't true. So, you know, I, I just think there are ramifications here internally that that. It is going to be hard for, you know, the people that were responsible for this mistake. You know, these probably aren't very happy times for them right now, as innocent and, you know, as misguided as it would be. But, yeah, as far as punishment, I mean, anything more than a fine, if if it is just this, you know, honest, stupid, innocent mistake, you know, that would just be absolutely outrageous to me. I, I do find the comedy behind it all in that people think that you mentioned the conspiracy off the jump. I mean, this is the first time that since Belichick has taken over as head coach of the Patriots that the Patriots have had a credentialed camera in a press box. So to make that jump, okay, not only do they have a a camera in the press box for the first time ever, Belichick is going to tell somebody from a a different wing of the organization, which really wouldn't be that hard to do. He can just walk down the hallway. But a different wing of the organization that he doesn't oversee and and quite frankly is filled with a lot of people who have entry-level jobs. And he's going to say, hey, you know what person I don't interact with on a daily basis who I may or may not understand that I can trust, who is working with two freelancers who really aren't bound to the organization. While you're out there working on that feature, can you just make sure you steal some, some, uh, some, some signs down there? You know, just bring it back to me. And uh, I'll make sure Christmas is good. Like, I just, I don't see all that happening. Belichick is as cognizant of and appreciative of his own legacy and how he'll be remembered uh, as, as anybody ever. And he may not admit that publicly. He does not admit that publicly. But it's a fact. And since he admits 07, it through his, I think you know, he Belichick through, has said. I'm sorry. He, he admits it through his actions, I think. Like routinely, all these documentaries he does, you know, a football life, the thing yep. of saving. I think all that stuff is is because him being aware of his legacy and entrusting NFL films to to properly lay that out. But yeah, I mean, he is very very cognizant of that. Yeah. So since '07, he has said publicly at least a couple times, including again this week, that they don't just toe the line anymore. They make sure they stay a foot behind the line because they don't want to get bagged for something else and. To, to publicly double down the way that he has and then to get caught again would be not just embarrassing this week, but it would severely impact his long-term legacy. And like that's just not something that I can see him wanting to, to deal with again. So I just think it's such, a, it's such a reach to think that Belichick would have something to do with that. Now, again, you mentioned the history and all that other stuff. We'll be here talking in circles for hours if we just keep going back and forth with that, but... 
I mean, that's, I just, I, I buy the Patriots logic. I, I think it was a dumb mistake. I think there was some miscommunication. I think protocols should have been in place that were not. And you had a producer kind of not going rogue because I don't think it was, like you said, the word nefarious. I don't think there were ill intentions. I just think there were a series of bad decisions that are probably going to cost Robert Kraft about a million dollars, which <laughs> that's, I don't care how rich you are, a million bucks getting removed from your wallet has to sting just a little bit, uh, if not monetarily from, you know, the, the reputation and the embarrassment of it all. And then you look at spinning this thing forward, and I, I think we got to focus a little more on the field in the final minutes of this show. You know, the Patriots are coming off a two-game losing streak. Uh, if the Texans win their division, this will be the first time ever under Belichick that the Patriots have gotten swept by the AFC's other division winners so they're going into the playoffs with some real question marks. And I think, and we've mentioned this before on the show several times, I think, you know, they figured it out last year in 2018 when things were going very poorly in weeks 14 and 15. Does that mean they can replicate that run again? You know, we don't know. And every time you bring that up to a player, they say, well, these are two completely different teams. And I think that's a good, that's a good answer because I think it's an honest answer. And that they don't know unless they put in the work. And one thing's for certain, Belichick handles controversy, whether it's self-inflicted or external, better than anybody in league history. And if you're looking for a silver lining, it's that Belichick will have no problem uh, refocusing his team going into an environment in which, you know, let's erase all the events from the last week, including even the losses. I mean, they would have beaten the Bengals by probably six touchdowns regardless, I would think. I don't know if the offense could score six touchdowns. Maybe there's some special teams and defensive scores in there. <laughs> but long term, uh, this is a this is a really good launching pad for the Patriots. And we'll see. I mean, we might look at this and say, I can't believe that what whatever you want to call it, uh, the scandal in Cleveland, Spygate 2, I mean, Jobgate, whatever, uh, this was... This could be a sneaky, helpful week just inside of that locker room in football ops. Just real quick, I want to make one more point about the whole thing. Like, I, I know that there was uh, some talk about it being like the most obvious thing. Oh, well, you're in there. Like, the most obvious is the least obvious. The truth is, like, I've been in NFL press boxes now for a decade. I have never once seen a camera set up with a tripod focused on anything in there, let alone the field. So if I saw that, I believe that I would be like, hey, what are they doing? And like, it would draw my attention because it's so out of the ordinary. It's not blending in. And I, I think that's something that, you know, it's kind of important to the story. But yeah, I mean. Oh, hold on. Let me, let me just really, real quick interrupt you. And we're also talking about a Cleveland-Cincinnati game and two extremely small media markets uh, in a game that, Nobody's covering because the two teams aren't going anywhere. So it's a smaller than normal media contingent. So something like that would stick out grotesquely, I guess. And, and not just the camera. It's hooked up to a monitor so everybody in the area it can look and see what the camera is fixed on. So, again, like there are a million reasons why this would stick out like a sore thumb. Sorry, go ahead. I mean, they'd just be like America's dumbest criminals, like if they were really doing this, like it'd be unbelievably stupid if the goal was to try to sneak anything over anything. But yeah, I mean, I, I well, we know who could film the documentary. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, <laughs> what, what were we talking about? Oh, football. Yeah. I mean, 
<laughs> I do think this could galvanize them a little bit, though. Like you said, they'll, they'll rally around it. And, you know, two of these games, they, they, they should just just crush Cincinnati. They should crush Miami. I think we all know what the Buffalo game is going to look like. And I don't know how much we're actually going to be able to, you know, learn about the team over these next three games because I think they're going to go exactly how they should. And I don't know if, you know, scoring six touchdowns on the Bengals helps you in the playoffs. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. Um, But I do think that, you know, getting something going just mentally feeling like things aren't quite as hard. And even if it is against a bad defense and look, maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe putting up some points on these teams does matter. Cause it's not like Kansas city has, you know, the world's greatest defense and they struggled. So it, but just getting something rolling, feeling like things are going in the right direction, I think could help quite a bit just, just to regain some confidence because look, it does seem like they kind of have been a little bit down after these last two games. You know, I don't think Brady lacks for confidence, but for him to just not feel that frustration after a game, I, I think would be very big for them. So it, it is important. And I think things do kind of set up pretty well for them here to just maybe kind of turn the page on this rough stretch and try to get back to being, well, not even get back to being for like maybe the first time this year, just becoming a competent offense that, that, you know, you at least feel like can score 24 points if you need to score 24 points. Yeah, I mean, we looked at last year when they come off of the miracle in Miami and then the the completely flat offensive performance in Pittsburgh, and they beat a couple AFC East teams by a ton in weeks 16 and 17, and that was the same thing. It was, okay, uh, they they took care of business in these final two games. They established some momentum. They got the first round by. Now what is it worth? And it turned out it was worth a whole lot. But the question was, they went 3-5 and five on the road in the regular season, What's going to happen when they go to Kansas City? And they were able to, you know, kind of continue that momentum against the Chiefs in the AFC title game. So if the Patriots go 3-0 down the stretch here, you know, beating Buffalo is a good win. So far, the Buffalo win earlier in the season is their best win of the year. And like you were saying, it's going to get them feeling good about themselves, especially offensively, if they're able to put up some points against Cincinnati and then Miami in, in Week 17. But think about it from another perspective, and I really hadn't until you, you were making that point. You know, Mohamed Sanu has been dealing with an ankle injury. He's still new within the offense. I know he's he's kind of an established veteran and all that stuff, but I, I'm sure it would do something for his confidence to have a good final three weeks here. And then you take it a step further with Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers, two rookies who have never done anything like this before, and Jacoby Myers really down a down on himself last week couple drops one could have been a third down conversion right before the Patriots bypassed a field goal uh, on a failed fourth down attempt and then the other would have been a fourth quarter touchdown and you know was was hard on himself he cost the Patriots points and it it would help him to go out and have a few good games here Nikhil Harry had one great play that should have been a touchdown but only played two snaps and you know, that Meyer, the second drop Myers had, Brady never looked at him again the rest of the game. And he was open on that failed fourth down. I don't fault Brady for not looking at him because it's two more drops. Uh, and he was he was staring at the guy who had, who had been paying his bills for a while now, Julian Edelman. Didn't work out, but you, you can't just look at it one play. I think you got to kind of take a step back and see why was he looking at Julian Edelman on that play. And then you throw in the two protection breakdowns. But anyway, this is... Uh, and then you look at the running game. If Sony Michelle, You know, I've made this point... When I, I, it looked like the running game was sort of turning a corner a few weeks ago, the blocking I thought was a little better. It was certainly more creative. 
and when Michelle started running more confidently, that's when you saw some of the longer gains and the broken tackles. So if, if, I know this is a big if, because Sony Michelle has seriously struggled this season, and I think a lot of it's on him. But if he can start running more confidently these next three weeks, that, that would go an extremely long way to getting this offense right for the playoffs. All right, so prediction time. I'm going to I'm going to go out on a big limb here and take the Patriots this week and I'm going to say I'm going to say 34 to 16 for the fine. I'm gonna, I'm going to say 1.25. What they get? They got a million for the flake gate. I just feel like they got to make an example of them one way or another. Not doing anything to punish the football team, I think costs them a little bit more in their wallet. Well, they got a million for Deflategate because the league had to figure out a way to pay Ted Wells. So (laughs) I think that was a big reason for that. I mean, that was the biggest non-scandal scandal I've ever seen. I'll never forget. Well went dry. uh, (laughs) I'll never forget pulling into my garage that night after the game, which was the first time that this stuff started to break. It was late night after the Colts game and the AFC Championship game and hearing this thing come up on the radio about the report out of Indy. And I was like, well, that sounds dumb. And then I, you know, the next morning it, it remains dumb. And I'm like, oh, you know what? This is a good, this is going to be a good opportunity to tweet out a lot of, a lot of lowbrow humor on, on Twitter for the next couple of weeks. And then it turned into just uh, uh, two years of absurdity and all that other stuff. Uh, but the league spent millions and millions of dollars on that investigation. I don't think that's going to happen here, uh, but it is the NFL. So who knows? I think they're going to get a million dollars flat. Uh, my initial reaction on Monday was that it was going to be somewhere between 500000 and a million dollars. I think you can send a message uh, to the rest of the league by saying, we're not taking a light on the Patriots, but you're not going to strip a first-round pick from the Patriots for something that, assuming the NFL believes Belichick's side of the story, had nothing to do with football operations. And I don't think they're going to take a first-round pick for the third time in the last 12 years. Uh, so a million dollars there. Score prediction, 48 uh, to nothing. Oh, wow. All right. I think they're going to unleash hell on the Bengals. I think it's going to just a lot of pent-up aggression from the two losses, from the media circus that will continue to drive the Patriots crazy, from external forces, people criticizing the organization and the accomplishments of the leaders who have – you know, there's a there's a good chunk of guys who have won three Super Bowls who who are still in that locker room who are going to be pissed off that their reputation or their legacy is being tarnished. And then you've got you got those poor Bengals, man. Like that was the Bengals are on the wrong side of the on the Cincinnati game in Week Five, obviously because they were on the Cincinnati. Jeff, that's really good, smart, well informed opinion there. They were also the first home game that. Brady got to play in 2016 off the suspension. So the Bengals were in the way of that one, and now they're in the way of this one. So it's just it's just another opportunity for the Patriots to take out a whole lot of frustration on Cincinnati. They always seem to find themselves in the way in New England. They can't help themselves, even with a completely new regime. And Zach Taylor being as livid as he was, and I think that's probably gotten back to the Patriots by now. I think this is just going to be, I mean, just a steamrolling. Well, no frustration here, man. Doing this podcast uh, was a pleasure. I I had fun with you, too. The frustration will continue after we stop recording and you go see that snow. (laughs) All right, everybody have a good weekend. We'll catch you next week on The Razor Show.